Once again, great to have everyone here this morning. Thanks for being with us here at Christ Central. My name is Joe Crummy, and I have the privilege of speaking this morning. In the last couple of weeks, we've had some excellent messages from Brent and from Mark uh, on Jesus, and Brent talking about some of the last words of Jesus, and Mark opening things up last week from Mark chapter 1, and about beginning with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We had an awesome discussion in our life group this week about that one verse, so just encourage you to get involved into our uh, small groups that meet every week. And today, I'm going to pick things up again from where I was a couple of weeks ago, and I can't believe this message that I'm going to speak actually was originally in one whole message. So if you remember, a couple of weeks back, and you can look on our website for if you missed a message. Uh, so I was away at Thanksgiving in Nova Scotia last week. I listened to Mark uh, this week. So go on there. Great. They're all archived. So encourage you uh, to do that. And we looked at from the book of Ephesians about Paul writing to the church there about the importance of knowing God's will. And one of the things about God's will is the importance of what fills your life and how we looked at Paul saying, we want our lives to be filled with the Spirit of God. And that's what happens when we come to Jesus. He fills us with His Holy Spirit, and we want to be a Spirit-filled person. And so there's your one point in review. And what happens, if anyone can remember, when you become a Spirit-filled person, what does that lead to as well? Anyone going once, twice, you become part of a Spirit-filled family body, and if you like P for person and people. Thank you. I got to get my three P's in here today. So three P's in a pod today. You're a spirit-filled person. You become part of a spirit-filled people. And part of being a spirit-filled people leads to worship. And so if you were just wondering what was going on in the last hour, that's part of being a spirit-filled people. We worship God and we believe and know that God is real and alive and God interacts with us. And so it's not just something that's a formal duty or we just go through sort of these different things. We have a bit of a liturgy. We have a bit of a structure that we follow. We sing songs. We try to provide words. Sometimes we make up words, and so they're not up there. And that's what we do. We're a spirit-filled people. We're giving our praise and our honor and our worship to God. And it involves our voices. It involves loving the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And as awkward as it is, and I'm telling you, I'll be honest with you. I said to Ollie, I feel like God's given me a song as in God singing to you, and I don't want to sing it because I'm not a very good singer, and it's vulnerable, and it's awkward, and it's risk-taking, but God laid on my heart to sing about, as we were singing Amazing Grace, about how he's paid the ransom, and you know what? It would be a whole lot easier if I just came, and I just said, you know what, folks? God paid the ransom, but there's something powerful in music, and the Bible talks about how God does sing over his people, and to be able to feel God's heart and his will in singing over us this morning, just that great reminder that God has paid a ransom we could never pay, and hopefully it does something to our soul, because that's what it should do. God's interested in not just our physical being, he's interested in us as a whole person, and he wants to save our soul and he wants to fill us with his spirit so that we can be a spirit-filled person, part of a spirit-filled people. And that leads to today's message, which is this. When we're spirit-filled, and we're filled with God's spirit, and so when we become a Christian, we put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. The Bible says this, we're born again. We're born of the spirit of God. It's a supernatural 
thing. So it's not just putting your faith into a creed. It's a living relationship that something supernatural happens. And the Bible says, if you're born again, you've become a new creation. And God puts his spirit in you. And not only does God put his spirit in you, he wants to fill you with his spirit. So it's not just a little thing. It's a big thing. And it affects the rest of our lives. And when we become spirit-filled and we're part of a spirit-filled people, this is what happens. It leads to action. It leads to God is on a mission, and he wants to capture us up on that mission so that we become partners with God. And the Bible talks about in different ways of it saying that. We become partners with God. We become co-laborers with God. Do you realize that God wants to catch you up on his mission on planet Earth? So if you might be unemployed, you might feel you have no purpose in your life. If you're a follower of Jesus, and maybe you're not a follower of Jesus yet. You can be, even today, and you can be caught up in what God wants to do on planet Earth, both now and forevermore. And God's about redeeming that which belongs to him. Planet Earth, his creation, in one sense it was stolen by the devil, and that's one part of being ransomed. It's like you're kidnapped from your original thing, let alone we put ourselves in debt, don't we? So we sin. We know we do things. We're selfish. If we're honest with ourselves, we put ourselves in debt, that we separate ourselves from God. And God sent Jesus. He partnered. He sent Jesus to rescue us. And now he wants that message to go forth. And he wants to begin to redeem every aspect of life that puts him first. That's the partnership that we're on. And I want to read, first of all, today from Colossians 4, 2 to 18. Mark, if you don't mind, I prayed a lot yesterday. I coached soccer yesterday. I worshiped lots this morning. My voice is going. So I'm going to ask Mark to help read the scripture this morning. So it's from Colossians, Paul writing to the church there, chapter 4, verses 2 to 18. Go for it, Mark. Okay. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He's a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He's coming with dear Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who's one of you. They will tell you everything that's happening here. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You've received instructions about him if he comes to you. Welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justus, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they've provided a comfort, proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who's one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He's always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he's working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see also that it's read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the work you've received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. 
Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Great. Thank you, Mark. So Paul's writing to the church, and it's filled with you, plural. That's you as plural, the whole church. And Paul's saying, look, I can help you. You can help me. He includes many people's names. It's about relationships. It's about friendships, about caring, love. He's providing updates, greetings, because he knows they're partnering together. They're on mission together. They're on God's mission together. And the Bible uses the word koinonia as sort of its Greek word for fellowship, for partnership, and it's this whole thing of friendship and commitment. And one of the words that comes out of that is partnership. And our good old Webster's Dictionary says this regarding a partner. One who is associated with another in a shared activity. One of two or more persons who jointly own a business. A husband or wife, so a, a marriage relationship. Either a pair of persons dancing together. I love that one. What a partnership that is. One of a pair or a team in a game or sport. And the last definition is an ally. So then I had to look up what ally meant. It says to enter into or unite in a formal relationship as by a treaty. And that's that whole covenant of Jesus buying us back. And it all conveys a sense of what the Bible says about this great fusion of friendship and relationship and love, but also commitment. And there's a mission that God is on together, and he includes us in it. So do you get that aspect of friendship, but also commitment and mission? This is a partnership that God makes with us. We're co-laborers. We are partners with Jesus Christ. And we realize that partnership models the Godhead, or what we in Christian circles call the Trinity, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God is our example for partnership. He's our example of relationships and our relationships reflect him, one of unity, community, relationship, equality, honor, love, roles, purpose, mission. And that was demonstrated in salvation, just as we've been singing about this morning. The Father sends the Son to save humanity from sin and death and the devil. That's God the Father's plan. And there's so many scriptures we could look at it saying that is God in the counsel, in his own counsel, wise counsel, he initiated a plan of redemption and salvation. And we see that Jesus played his part. Jesus, the Son, obeys the Father. He fulfills the Father's will. He lived and obeyed. He died on the cross. He was resurrected. But God, the Father, raised him from the dead. He ascended, and now he's at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning, praying for his church, and he's coming back again. And the Holy Spirit is involved. The Holy Spirit applies. He reveals and applies what Jesus has done as our Savior. So, as I said before, we're born of the Spirit. He lifts the veil that we can be blinded to see Jesus as our salvation, and he brings revelation. So hopefully this morning we're praying that God bring by his Spirit brings revelation of who Jesus is and where you fit into his story. And now we're called by God to partner with him in his plans and purposes. So as we follow Jesus, Angela was singing, we give him everything. He's our everything. We give our worship to God, and then he calls us on mission together. So what I want to do is I want to just look quickly at a few ways that we partner together, and then I want to focus in on three ways that we can work more together than we ever could on our own. So the first partnerships we just want to talk about are our partnerships in life. And let me say, these are hard work. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. There we go. It's hard work. 
the partnerships that we're going to take a look at are hard work. Marriage, we need the Holy Spirit to help us. The Bible says the two become one, one flesh. But as we understand, and this is why marriage and the whole word of marriage and covenant is so important to Christians, mainly because of this key thing. We believe it's from God, but this is another key thing that the Bible says. It's a reflection of what we see between Jesus and his church. It says that Jesus and his church are like a bride and a groom. And that's why we, one of the reasons why we value marriage, husband and wife, because we see it reflects Jesus and his church. That is a partnership. And marriage here on earth is a partnership. And we need to look back at some of those things of what a partnership is. And we need the Holy Spirit to help us in our marriages to reflect that this is to reflect Jesus and his church. That takes on a whole different meaning of just fulfilling my own needs. It's reflecting Jesus and his church. Ooh, we need God's help in that. Family life, parents representing, in a sense, it's like parents have given the responsibility. We're like the first uh, representation of God to children. That's a, we need the Holy Spirit's help, don't we? <laughs> and children, how you act towards your parents is a reflection of how you act towards God. Do you see the connections, how deep these things run in partnering together? Siblings, brothers and sisters, reflecting what it is to be brothers and sisters in Christ and how we treat each other. Extended family, grandparents and grandchildren, aunts and uncles, great aunts and great uncles, all working together in a partnership. Singles, you're partnering with Jesus to glorify Him. So no one's excluded. You might think, well, I'm just waiting for my spouse, or what happens if I remain single? You can partner with Jesus to live your life to glorify God. Whether you ever get married or not, you're fully involved. And if you're single, no need to say, you need the Holy Spirit to help you, and you need the body of Christ working around you. At our workplace, employers, employees, guess what? We're all working for Jesus. So if you're a boss, the Bible's very clear. Don't boss people around because your master is Jesus. So treat your employees with a kingdom perspective. If you're an employee, don't be lazy. Be fair, integrous, honest, respect, diligence, because you're working for Jesus, not just your boss. At school, how you treat your peers and how you serve one another, your attitude towards authority on sports teams and drama, anything like that. Folks, it's our view that we are partnering with Jesus to bring his kingdom everywhere we go, and it starts in those everyday relationships, and that includes every one of us. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, that, I want you to see how becoming a follower of Jesus affects everything in your life. And you can be caught up in partnering with God to do what God wants to do through your everyday mundane life. And it brings a different perspective and purpose to it. Church life is a partnership. We're a spirit-filled people. We're spirit-filled on mission and partnership together. And we see this lived out, first of all, in local church. So as elders leading the church, we are trying to model that the Trinity in representing a team and a partnership in helping to lead the church. And so we're so thankful that you have such great grace for us as elders in leading the church. And thank you for these transitions as we've been explaining these last 
few months about how we're seeing more and more a local team within our eldership focused here on Fredericton, Mark leading that, and how we believe over the next couple of months we're going to be sharing what we feel God's speaking to us and through a body and becoming more clear on our focus here in Fredericton and what mission God has us for here in Fredericton and how for Kevin, Gary, and I, I don't know what you call us, a regional team, well, a national team, I, I don't know what you call us, but we're a team focused on helping our churches here in Atlantic Canada, Canada, and around the world. We're in a partnership together in our Sunday meetings. What a partnership this morning. We're partnering with the Holy Spirit to give God the glory, to raise up Jesus. So we have worship teams working together with AV teams and leaders leading the meeting and people coming with gifts, all working together. That's a partnership every week when we meet together. Our prayer meetings, we're going to be praying tonight We're going to be calling out to God together. That's a partnership together. Our life groups working together. That's a partnership. Our teams at Kids Church in every aspect. Our service here in Fredericton, in our community. It's commitment, participation, time, finances, gifts, talents, helping, sharing, and praying together. What a partnership to be on together. What a privilege to be part of the body of Christ. And what a partnership it is to partner with Jesus. Our partnership is beyond our local church. We're part of a family of churches. And I know many of you are new to our family, so let me just explain a few things to help you understand our partnership because we're a little bit different. If you came maybe from an Anglican background or a Catholic background or a Baptist background, you might understand you're part of something bigger. Ours looks a little bit different because there's not too many of our sort of family of churches here in Canada. But we're part of a family called New Frontiers. And within New Frontiers, there's all kinds of of families, and we're part of Christ Central Church family. Many of you have met Jeremy and Ann Simpkins, who helped lead that team of families. Many based out of uh, England, but all across the world now as well. So I'll bring it down to say how we partner with other churches on mission together. So here in Atlantic Canada, we're part of the Charlottetown, Christ Central Charlottetown, and planting that church in the last three years. Uh, we were over there for their church weekend a few weeks ago. It was great to see what God's doing and building His church there. The Annapolis Valley, Wolfville, Kentville, New Minus. As we said, our family was there for the summer, seeing what God's doing and God building and establishing a church there. In Halifax, with our small group there, and some of our struggles, but we're persevering, we're seeking God to say, God, what do you want to do there? In St. John's, Newfoundland, we have Rafaro and Sam, we were just talking to him again this week, just waiting and seeing, God, are you going to provide a team there in that great city that needs more churches? And there's more to come. Here in Canada, talking to Reese and Sarah this week in Vancouver, and our church there in Vancouver, it's doing so well. In the Great Lakes region, there's more to come. In the nations, in England, we've got partnership together with Jeremy and Anne. We've, got, we've had partnership with Don and Stephanie Smith and Dave and Rosie Fellingham. We've got partnership with the church in Sheffield where Mark and Debbie have come from and we've got people coming and going from that church and they're praying for us and we want to be praying for them in Africa, primarily in Zambia with Joseph and Lillian Mwila and by extension many other countries. New connections in Mexico with Lee and Stacey Arborough and we'll be providing some more updates as we go. And one of the things that we as Christ Central have been working towards, and now we're kind of, in a sense, I don't know if you call it formalizing it or not, but putting some more purpose to it. We're developing this christ Ship partnership that we've got Joseph and Lillian leading these 30, 40 churches in Zambia, Lee and Stacy leading 
30, 40 churches in Mexico, and Jeremy and Ann in England, us early days here, and we're coming together to say, you know what, we want to work more together, and we want to spend time together, developing our friendship, we want to be accountable to each other, how we're stewarding the gifts that God's given to us, and we want to resource people, and, and to resource each other in our training, with opportunities, and so Gary and Barbara kind of been the first fruits of that, going out to these different churches, and we're looking for more opportunity, because you know what? We have a great heart for many of you, and many of you have gone out and different, done different sort of mission things, but wouldn't it be great to be able to do that within a family of churches? And that's what we've never been able to do before, and that's what we're hoping as these relationships develop. We might be able to do some things, and it's a two-way street of people being able to resource us and us to be able to resource other churches. And obviously, we're part of a global church, and we recognize that, and we want to work with other churches. And so, here's some examples just locally. So, even yesterday, we were with uh, many different church leaders in the city at Lincoln Baptist yesterday, praying for revival, and so different ones of us took place in praying with other church leaders from different backgrounds, crying out to God together, asking God for revival in our city, in our nation. We're connecting with Alpha, and so we're partnering with many churches. We're looking at doing the Alpha sessions in the spring, and there's many of us as uh, churches in Fredericton coming together to work together, to partner together. We're partnering together that whole month of March. We're going to be advertising together. We're going to be inviting together, and we hope to have multitudes of churches all running Alpha in the spring together that can help reach our city. We're partnering together. We partner with Tom in InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. What a great partnership here locally on the campus and being able to work together. We're partnering people like Joy FM and Green Hill Lake Camp, all kinds of partnerships here in Fredericton, which is wonderful. It's wonderful to be able to partner together. Internationally, we partner people like Compassion Canada. We had Clinton go to Uganda. We've had Hillary Fox go to Kenya. We International Justice Mission, MAF, Missionary Aviation Fellowship with Martin and Ann. All kinds of connections and partnerships together, and even more to come. And here, it is awesome. It's exciting. What a great thing to partner with God and how God brings relationships together. And for some of you who were here early days of our church, we were here in Atlantic Canada, and basically, as our family of churches, it was us. And it was, we could feel isolated. You could feel very disconnected. And to see how God has brought us into a family is a wonderful thing. And we're really honored and privileged to see how God has partnered us together with so many different people, both in our, within our family and by extension, the global church. Now, here are three things I just want to key in on, that we together can partner together, both as our local church, with our family of churches, and with the global church. And the first area I want to talk about is prayer, and this is where we get to Colossians chapter 4. Paul writes to the church there, plural, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So the first thing is, Paul says this, as part of our partnership, we need to devote ourselves to prayer and being watchful and thankful. Folks, what an incredible thing, and I take it for granted so many times, what an incredible thing that we have access to God, that we can pray, that we can actually talk to God. 
And if you have ever read the Old Testament, you realize for us to be able to talk to God just as ordinary people, okay? None of us are like Levites from the, priest, from the priesthood. None of us are kings. None of us are great prophets that are the few chosen that get to talk to God. And Mark read out that scripture from Hebrews. We don't have to approach a holy mountain. We don't have to go to a temple. We don't we can come because of Jesus Christ and we have access to God and we can talk to God. And if that's not amazing enough, God actually talks to us. So almighty God, creator of the universe, who was and is and is to come, holy, 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 eternity, past, eternity, future, angels, elders, living creatures, God almighty, spoke creation into being, ruling and reigning, holy, like, we get to talk to God, and God actually talks to us. So whatever, six, seven billion people on planet earth at the same time, how he hears us all, that's God. Doesn't make, you can't figure it out logically, can you? That's God. How God hears a whisper, God, I need you, and God hears how God heard us yesterday praying little old Fredericton together, asking God, God, would you move in our city, in our province, in our nation? Would you bring revival? Would you pour out your Holy Spirit knowing that God is hearing us? Folks, what a privilege it is to partner together, to pray together. And first of all, to acknowledge we have access to God through Jesus Christ, that we get to draw near to God, that God actually cares, that God hears, and that God responds. But I believe God is saying to us again, this is the partnership part, we need to commit together to devote ourselves to pray. And folks, sometimes that takes planning. We're allowed to plan to pray. It says devote yourselves. There's an aspect of partnering together to say we're making a commitment to do that together. And so we're praying tonight. We pray every couple of weeks as a church. And so I'm asking you, would you consider devoting yourselves to prayer? Would you consider coming and saying, I'm going to take, start with even, let's just come out once. Let's even start there. I'm putting in my schedule at our life groups. We're praying together. People come here, Margaret and, was it Marley this morning? Coming together this morning before our meeting, two of them praying together, praying for this morning's meeting, praying that God would move. You can devote yourselves to prayer. People before the conference were praying every week. We've been gathering together in their schedules, devoting themselves. It's okay to plan to pray. And the Bible encourages, pray at all times, be constant in prayer, pray continually. Big prayers, little prayers, honest prayers, personal prayers, family prayers, church prayers, local, global, praying and asking God for his kingdom to come. Being thankful, remembering God's provision, faithfulness, it builds our faith, it keeps our eyes on God, it changes our attitude. And I say it every time because it's true and you think I'd learn, but I'll be honest with you, most times when I come together to pray, I don't want to be there. My flesh does not like it. But we crucify the flesh and we come in and we go out in the spirit and every time, Every single time. Driving there, ooh, I'd rather be watching the hockey game. I'd rather be watching the football game. I'd rather be doing anything else. That's brutal honesty. 
And every time driving home, I'm so glad I was here tonight. So devotion is we crucify the flesh and we come and out of obedience and when we're in God's presence, he changes us and we go away different. And you can say that for Sunday morning, you can say that for life group, youth group, university, whatever thing you're involved in. And if you love going, then forget what I just said, keep loving going and keep going as well. <laughs> Paul also gives us some hints to what to pray for. Paul's very honest. He says, pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So when we get together, what's one of the things we're asking God and what we're praying for? We're asking God to open doors for the good news to spread. And if you read the book of Acts and if you read the New Testament, we see that the Holy Spirit actually directed Christians where to go, even in their geography of where to go. So if you're at university and you're considering God, when I done my degree, where do you want me to go? That's a good question to be asking. You should be asking that. God, where, where do you want me to go? And I mean geography. Where do you want to place me that's part of your purposes and plans? Because the Holy Spirit directs us even today. The Holy Spirit directs us. Can I give you an example? Now, I'm going back a few years. I'm only doing it because it, it really struck me last weekend. So I was telling you last weekend, we were Thanksgiving weekend, we were in my hometown of Pugwash, Nova Scotia. We were there for some family things. And last Sunday morning, a week ago right now, there's a lady there. Her name is Bonnie Langell, and she is on fire for God. So much on fire for God, our kids were scared of her, okay? Because <laughs> she was helping with the kids thing, and I'm talking like on fire for God, like she's just like a whirlwind of energy, and it's just praise Jesus, and God just comes out of her, and it's incredible, and it's infectious and contagious, and you're just like, I want to hang out with her. But here's the story behind Bonnie. So, I'm showing my age. 23 years ago, in spring, I was here at UMB for university, and when spring came, I went back to Pugwash to work for the summer, and I'd had a job all through high school, my first year in university, at the drugstore there, and I just felt, even though I had a I could have worked there all through university. It was a great job. I loved it. I just felt in God, God had something else for me. Now, if you're a university student, you know how precious this is for you to, at the end of April, go to your employer and say, I don't think I'm supposed to work for you this summer. That's not a good thing for your financial planning on university life. But I did it because I felt God say, I want you somewhere else, not knowing where God wanted me to go. So I said, no. And I went out to Amherst, and I went to the employment center, like on May 1st, and all the jobs started May 5th or whatever for your summer. I got an interview with the lady there, and while I'm sitting down talking to her about summer employment, the phone rings, she picks it up. This was old school, actual phone, dialed in old school phone. <laughs> picked it up, she's talking, all of a sudden, puts her hand, she says, would you like an interview at this certain place in Pugwash. So while I'm meeting with her, the phone call comes in. Where the place was is just a stone throw from my house. So I grew up with this place just down the road from me. I said, sure, I'd love to. When can I go? Tomorrow. So I went for my interview. Two ladies interviewed me. Bonnie was one of the ladies that interviewed me. I got the job, that was on Friday. I started on Monday and I worked there for four months that summer 
incredible summer learning. I worked with uh, people with different types of disabilities, mentally, physically, everything. I worked with OTs, physios. It was great. It was an incredible summer. I learned so much. Really helped me learn so many different things. And Bonnie was my boss for the whole summer. So for the whole summer, I'm just living my life. I am trying to follow Jesus. I'm trying to bring Jesus into the workplace. I'm only 20 at this point, so I'm the student who did everything. And at the end of the summer, make a long story short, at the end of the summer, I got to share Jesus with Bonnie. And the week after, so I was done at the end of August, and on Labor Day weekend, 1993, Bonnie became a Christian. And God changed her life. And she wasn't in a good way, and she wasn't in a good relationship at that time, and God did a work in her life. Now, it took years to unravel a lot of things. It took years to get out of different things, but God did something in her that 23 years later, to see her on fire for Jesus, still working at the same place, and her bringing the kingdom of God into that workplace. I say that to say, the Holy Spirit prompted me, I totally believe, to say no to a job I had, to be obedient, not knowing what was going to come, and God, I believe, ordained and orchestrated and worked that out. And that's the Holy Spirit leading us and directing us. And where did that come from? That came from prayer, saying, God, would you open a door for where you want me to go to be able to share the good news of the gospel? Prayer changes things. It's out of prayer God gives us direction. And I was just humbled again last week. I'm not saying I did anything special, okay? The story sounds better than in reality when you're going like, oh, I don't know if this is the right thing. Oh, God, I hope you provide a job. Oh, I don't know what to do. That's more like how it really was. <laughs> That's the polished one. But in our prayer together, we can say, God, would you please open doors? And sometimes that's geography. You actually place us where we are. And so can I encourage you, wherever you are right now, you could be in a rooming house, you could be at university in a dorm, street, neighborhood, house. I believe fully God has placed you where you are for his purposes. And I pray we have eyes to see what God wants to do, where he has you right now. And folks, that's exciting. So we're going to see what else God does. What's the second thing we do? We pray for God's open, for God to open hearts and minds to prepare people to hear the gospel. I was going to say, maybe God wants to speak to us right now through a phone call. Jesus coming through. We better hear, we better see who it is. All right. We want God to open doors and we pray for God to open doors in geography, but this is just as important. We ask for God to open up hearts. We ask God, would you open up people's minds and hearts to hear the gospel? God, we pray for opportunities for our neighbors, workplace, sports, everyday life. Because I just want to share what Jesus has done in my life. Because Paul says this, pray that I may proclaim the message of the gospel clearly as I should. We're praying for clarity. We're praying for God to open up doors in geography. We're praying for God to open up hearts to be open. And now we're saying, God, when you open the door, would you please help me? Because sometimes we don't get it right. And I just shared with you an awesome story of God and 
humbly God working through me to bring the message of the gospel. But I'll be honest with you, I'll share another story. And this was even back a year before that, 24 years ago, when God opened up a door. I was praying. I was praying for my friend. I was in university. I knew he was going through a bad time, and I was praying. I said, God, would you open a door for me to be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with my friend Dan? And God did it. God opened the door. We were in his dorm room, and God opened the door. He asked me all kinds of questions, and you know what? I froze. I completely blew it. He was asking questions, and I just completely froze, and I didn't share about Jesus I didn't share the gospel. I didn't share about what God had done in my life. I, it was all in there, and I just completely did not do it. And I never got another chance to share that with him, because 24 years ago today, he committed suicide. October the 16th, 1992. Now, I'm not saying that in any guilt way. I'm just being honest with you. I prayed for opportunities, and God gave opportunities, and I missed it. And I've had to work through forgiving myself and all those different things, and there's a lot of good things have come out of that. Angela and I were just last weekend, we went to see his uh, at the graveyard back in Nova Scotia. That's just being honest with you. Sometimes we get it right, and God does amazing things, and sometimes we blow it. And we do, and I've blown it many times. So I'm not up here trying to hype up incredible God stories. I'm saying God is incredible, and we've got tons of God stories. But folks, God's amazing grace is I blew it. And there's consequences when we blow it. There is. You can't get around it. But God's grace in my life has helped me heal me and set me free from that thing that can be a very big weight if I allow it to be. So that's why I pray, God, would you give me opportunities? But when those opportunities arise, God, I need your help. Because then in my own strength, I blow it. I get embarrassed. I feel like I'm not going to say the right things. And God, I need your help. Because the second thing we get to do together, we get to pray together. We get to proclaim together. Paul says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly. That's the message as I should. He says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Season with salt. They may know how to answer everyone. Folks, we get to proclaim together as the body of Christ the gospel through our lifestyle, through our character, through our lives. So one aspect of it is, yes, us preaching up front. Absolutely, that's a really important part. But most of the time, it's through our lives that the gospel gets preached. And it's through our character, how we forgive one another, how we're merciful towards one another, how we're honest with one another, how we're integrous with one another, how we seek to bring justice to those who are oppressed, to be kind, to be a joy. Folks, just to be a blessing versus cursing and being competitive and jealous and cynical. We proclaim together through our deeds how we serve, we give, we help, we share our time, money, possessions, and we're alert. We want to make the most of every opportunity. We proclaim together through our speech. We proclaim good news. And can I just say this? There's two aspects of our speech. It's what you say and how you say it. So there's content of what we say. That's the truth part. We have to speak truth and life and grace, but our attitude and how we share it 
should be full of love and joy, humility, peace, and sincerity versus gossip, sarcasm, bitterness, anger, and flattery. Peter says this in 1 Peter 3, 15 to 16. He says to the Christians, but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. So we need to be prepared, and we need the Holy Spirit to help us. And the third thing, because our time's gone, so I'll just finish with this. In our partnership together, we get to pray together, we get to proclaim Jesus together, and we get to persevere together. Did you notice how Paul started this when he sang this? He says, I'm still in chains. Paul's in prison. He's in chains writing this letter. And if ever there's a need for perseverance, I think that would be a time to need some perseverance. And Paul says this, I'm in chains, but you know what? I've got friends. And we need friends together to persevere together in walking out this Christian life. And Paul says, what's one of the ways that we persevere is we bring encouragement to one another. How do we bring encouragement to one another? We inform each other about what God's doing in our lives. So Paul's able to say, I'm glad, Mark, sorry, Mark, I really set you up on that passage. You had all those difficult names. <laughs> I was going like, oh, sorry, Mark. <laughs> Archippus and Tychius and Epaphras. And he knows them by name, and he says, look, I'm sending these people to you because I want you to know what God's doing in my life, and I want to hear from you. So one part of sharing our lives together, we're actually encouraging one another when we share our lives together. Paul says, I want to bring greetings. I want greetings sent from here. So folks, can I just encourage you, because I know you get bombarded by a lot of information, but can I sincerely ask you to consider this? If you're part of the church email list, can I ask you, can you actually read what gets sent out? So if you're on Facebook and you get the weekly message, we provide updates about what's going on because we want to convey, in the same way Paul's saying, we want to understand what's going on in Prince Edward Island. We want to understand what's going on in Halifax. We want to understand what's going on with Martin and Anne in the newsletter this week about what's going on in Southeast Asia. We want you to be fully informed. We want you to feel like you're in partnership together. And one of those ways is we try to communicate, and we're going to try to do a bit better on our videos and that, but on Facebook with our blogs, tag when we're sharing about our family. Okay, It's really important that we just take a few minutes to read what God's doing amongst us so that we can be informed how to pray because we want, when we're doing things, we want people praying for us. And that's one part of a family of us communicating what God's doing. Together in prayer tonight, we're going to be asking God to come and say, God, would you move next weekend? We've got close to 80 women coming together for those 24 hours. God, would you move in power? Would you do a work? Lord, there's many Bonnies out there, Lord, that need to hear the message. And I'm going to end with Epaphras. He gives us a few more things. Epaphras, what a hero, eh? Paul says, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends his greetings. He is always, I love this term, wrestling in prayer for you. Because it's a spiritual battle. He's always wrestling in prayer for you. He's devoted, says he's fighting, he's exerting energy. He is in the game of wrestling in prayer for you. And the last three things he says, I'm praying that you may stand firm in all the will of God. Folks, can I say this? If you don't know what to pray for Joe Crummy this week, you can pray these three things, okay? You pray this. 
I pray that Joe Crummy may stand firm in all the will of God. I pray that he would grow in maturity, and I pray that he would be fully assured of who God is and who he is in Christ. If you could pray that for me this week, praise God. That would be awesome. So sometimes, what do we pray for? I've given you five things, some hints even this morning. You're going to pray for open doors, geography. You're going to pray for open doors. You're going to pray that God gives you clarity when you share, when you proclaim. We're going to pray together that may we stand firm in all the will of God, that we would be mature, that we would be fully assured. I'm encouraged just knowing people are praying for me. I'm encouraged that people are wrestling in prayer for my family and for this church. Folks, we get to partner together. We get to partner together in prayer that we can wrestle in prayer for each other. At your life groups, you're wrestling in prayer for each other. When we come together at TAG, we're wrestling together in prayer for the things in this local church, globally, nationally. We get to proclaim together as the body of Christ. Even being here today is a witness proclaiming who Jesus is. We get to persevere together because folks it's a battle it's hard life is hard even in canada life is hard and we get to persevere by encouraging and sharing our lives with one another okay our time's gone i'm going to hand things back to brent and to ollie but let's this week devote ourselves to prayer in these things and let's see what god's going to do yes and amen. Thank you. Why don't we get the worship team back up?